Gospel of Luke. Uh, This is Palm Sunday. This text is jumping us ahead in the Holy Week events uh, a couple of days. And so this is, uh, Jesus has just celebrated the Passover meal with his disciples in the upper room. And then they get into this conversation after the meal. And this is, this is where we're, we're touching down on this text in Luke. So let's hear God's word, Luke chapter 22, picking up in verse 24. God's word says this. A dispute also arose among them as to which of them was to be regarded as the greatest. And he said to them, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them. And those in authority over them are called benefactors, but not so with you. Rather, let the greatest among you become as the youngest, and the leader as one who serves. For who is the greater, one who reclines at table, or one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at table? But I am among you as the one who serves. This is God's word. Please remain standing. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, God, thank you for this word in the scriptures. Thank you for all that you have done uh, in this time already to encourage us, to lead us to yourself afresh. Do that now, again, for these next few moments gathered around this text uh, by the working of your spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Okay. So, friends, I'll try to be mindful of the clock uh, tonight, but uh, as, we, as we look at uh, these verses and look at this text, um, I guess I have a question. I'm curious. If I were to ask you to imagine a king, I wonder what, uh, what traits, what characteristics uh, might come into your mind uh, as you think about what a king is, and, uh, you know, you could cheat, you could look at my little uh, screen there uh, and, and pick some ideas from that. I know it's Legos, because uh, I just, I have a thing for Legos, but, um, but like, king, kingship, kingdom, what, what do you think of? What adjectives, what images pop to your mind? I'm sure if I gave us enough time, you'd come up with some things, but for me, some of the things that come to mind is someone who is royal in appearance. Someone who's regal, perhaps, and kind of stately in their manner. Someone who, who holds themselves with a certain kind of air is a king. Think of a king as one who is, who is strong, both in kind of physical form, uh, potentially, and also in personality. Uh, someone who is who's in control. Just playing off the image on the screen, you might think of one who's... Uh, who's got flags and banners, pomp and circumstance, and uh, is on some level this, this uh, magnetic or uh, desirable uh, type of character. And all of these things, you might think, okay, like, th- yeah, th- a king, like, this is, this is a guy I want to follow. But, of course, there's the caveat, because we're, you know, we're fallen human beings, and uh, most of us have read some of the Bible, and we, we've seen some kings in Scripture, Right? And we know that not, not all those guys, in fact, most of those guys uh, fell off in certain ways. Uh, more than that, we're, we're Americans, and so we kind of have this natural, like, we don't want a king, you know? So, so w- not only would we associate, you know, regalness and royalty and all of these positive things with kingship, potentially, we could also uh, connect 
tyranny with someone who is a king, and oppression with someone who is a king in a fallen world, and um, self-indulgence, all of these things uh, come as well as we think about who and what a king is. But I want us to, to pause there, okay, if this, this is king, king stuff, I want us to, to pause, hold that image, and contrast that now, compare that with what comes to your mind when you think of what is, what describes one who is a servant. Other end of the spectrum. What comes to mind as we think about servants? I'll just go first. I'll say, uh, when I think about a servant, as opposed to a king who I think of generally as being one who is wealthy, I think generally of a servant as one who is of little means, someone who is poor, perhaps. As opposed to the, the, the regalness and the royalty and the richness of a king, I think of a servant as one who is a, a little bit ragged, perhaps. Uh, maybe actually wearing rags on some level. Instead of the, the power and the control and the prestige, when I think of kingship with, with servants, I think of things that are more in line with what we see the prophet Isaiah talking about. As Isaiah talks about this one who he sees, who is uh, described in Isaiah's words as the suffering servant. This one, uh, Isaiah says, Isaiah 53, who has no form or majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. That's more in line when I think of what a servant is. No, you know, it's, it's not attractive. It's not uh, immediately compelling and, and drawing us in in a magnanimous kind of way. And yet, when we come to Jesus, we have one who takes both of these images and, and puts them together. In Jesus, we have one who is the servant king. He is, he is the both and which blows away and blows up all of our categories. He says, I'm going to take this thing and all the good things, like if you can think of the best possible king you can imagine, I'm going to take that, the power, the prestige, all that, and then I'm going to take these characteristics of, of a servant, join those together in myself, and that's who I am. When it comes to the kingdom of heaven and what Jesus is, what he has come to do, who he says he is, Jesus is, he is the servant that we want to be our king, and he is the king who we want to serve. And so, as we come to this passage and look at these four verses, uh, if you're still tracking with me, uh, you see a lot of things in, in these verses. Um, but one of the things that we, we're thinking about is, as we look at verse, uh, verses 24 through 27 that we read in this uh, Luke 22, we see and notice that it's actually all of this, like I said a, a few moments ago, is happening on the eve of Jesus's uh, going to the cross. This conversation that is happening with uh, disciples, as it says, um, you know, right in the, the beginning, verse 4, a dispute also arose among them. And so there's, there's a, basically there's this infighting that's happening among the disciples. And this is happening the night before. You know, in, in church uh, calendar language, this is, this is what we call Maundy Thursday. I always say that wrong. But it's, it's the, the, the night of the Passover where Jesus celebrates this, this meal and institutes the Lord's Supper 
It's the night that we read about in John where he washes the disciples' feet. And it's in the midst of that context that the disciples begin to have this conversation about greatness and about who among them is the greatest. And you say, well, like, wow, that's really disconnected. Like, how, how can you have Jesus talking about, uh, you know, on the eve of his death and talking about how this Passover meal is actually pointing to him and his body and his blood. And then the disciples are talking about, you know, who is going to be, you know, next in line, essentially, or second in command if something actually happens to Jesus. And, you know, it's one of those moments where, you know, you think, okay, man, you can really throw a lot of shade on the disciples and say, man, these guys were really, like, disconnected from reality. But then if you take a closer look, it's a little bit more, it's not that simple. Because at the end of uh, Jesus kind of saying, hey, this Passover meal is about me, he then goes on and says, by the way, one who is going to betray me is actually here with us at this table. And we see that that becomes this, this linchpin moment that leads to this conversation where it says, verse 23, right before the text that we read, says they began to question one another about which one of them it could be who was going to do this. And so we see Jesus drops this bomb, right? Somebody is going to betray me. And then they, they get defensive. They say, oh, well, who could it be? Well, it's, you know, it's not me. It can't be me. And this slides very quickly from defensiveness into pride, right? It can't be me because I'm loyal, right? Yeah, I won't be the betrayer because I am faithful, and so it goes from defensiveness to, to pride and to boasting very quickly in this moment right after this Passover meal. And so all that we see Jesus unpacking here and saying in these verses is in response to this, this kind of family fight that's going on in his midst in the context of this upper room moment in light of the Lord's Supper being established. And in the midst of all this, Jesus says, essentially he says, brothers, Friends, guys, this, this squabbling, this talking about who's greatest, putting one another down in this way, you know, uh, being like Peter who, you know, we read says, you know, I'm, you know, everyone else might leave you, but Jesus, I won't leave you. Jesus is like, give it a minute, right, Peter? But in the midst of that, Jesus says, brothers, this is not what we do. This is not who we are. This is not the kingdom of heaven. This is not the ethic that we are to be living by and applying. It's not about us uh, establishing our platform and our greatness, but rather in the kingdom of heaven, the way up is actually down, right? And the key to greatness, if you want to call it that, is actually being one who serves. This is the upside-down economy which is really the right-side-up economy of God and the kingdom of God and his, the way he works in the world. But it's not the way of the world, right? So Jesus says very clearly, uh, verse 26, to, to ground us in the text, he says, Let the greatest among you become as the youngest, and the leader, he says, uh, as one who serves. And so for the next few moments, just kind of grounding it there, uh, I just want to reflect for just a few more uh, moments together here around this text about uh, essentially servant leadership. 
And so my, my big reflection uh, from this text is essentially that because Jesus Christ is the ultimate servant king, for disciples of Jesus today, uh, the call to lead when we have opportunities and space to lead, it is always an opportunity, a call to serve, first and foremost. Having, having platform, having leadership, having privilege is a call to be a servant of others, first and foremost. The, ba- the big idea, if you want to jot one down, of, of what I have here tonight. And, and, you know, I'll pause for a second there, because some of you hearing that might say, well, um, you know, Brian, that's fine, but I'm not a leader. I, I don't lead. That's not my thing. That's not my stage of life. Uh, I, I don't lead. It's not my gift. I would push back against that a little bit and say, I think it, every single one of us has some sphere in our life, some, some space where we are leading and or called to lead, whether that's in our, just our own little family unit or our, our larger, wider family unit, or whether it's thinking about the way we're interacting as a church or your vocation, all these different spheres where we live and, and kind of do our stuff. And I would say all of us have some space where we have this kind of, this, this platform, this ability, this privilege, and this opportunity to use what we have in a way that is servant-hearted first and foremost. So... The question to unpack this that I have, if you're still following me, are we awake? I see nods, okay. Uh, The question is, what does good servant leadership look like? That's the simple question. According to Jesus, as, as he's kind of outlining a few things here in these verses, what is servant leadership? I think Jesus gives us here a negative uh, of what it is not, and also he gives us a positive uh, of what it is. And to, to go right to it, the negative of what it is not is essentially it is not about the self. Okay. Uh, good servant leadership cannot by definition be about my self-seeking, my self-advantage, my self-promoting, my self-obsession. But rather, uh, it's about releasing those privileges for the good of others. Uh, Jesus uses the, the connection point to those that he's talking to. They know about kings. And so he says, uh, he says, don't be like the kings of the Gentiles. And what Jesus says about the kings of the Gentiles, as kind of filling out this picture of what servant leadership is not, he says, the kings of the Gentiles do a couple things. Number one, they exercise lordship, meaning, you know, they, they use their power uh, maybe sometimes not for, for evil, but they, they are using their power. And then secondly, uh, they, they do this thing where they are called benefactors, which is uh, kind of this interesting phrase that I don't use very much in my, in my everyday uh, interactions with folks. But essentially, uh, what, what, this is, what, what Jesus is saying here and what this means is that these Gentile kings are taking on this label of benefactors, meaning they're taking on these essentially kind of honorary titles upon themselves. And uh, they're basically being concerned about their image. They're being concerned about their reputation. So these Gentile kings, that if we, if we kind of boil it down, they're about exercising their power, their, their dominance, and they're about their reputation 
their image, you know, we, we might use the label branding today. And that's what, what these guys are about. And, uh, you know, public, public polling would, would have mattered to these guys. They want to be the guys who, who have the good reputation, who are, uh, you know, according to everyone's, uh, you know, words at least, kind of saving the day. And, you know, it's very easy for all of us and natural for all of us to kind of get stuck in these, in these places of thinking about ourselves and thinking about our image, thinking about our reputation and, and wanting to, to manage both of those so that we, uh, we are kind of building our own kingdom more than anything else. But Jesus says, hey, disciples, guys, this is not the way. For, for his original 12, and it's still today not the way for us, thinking about these things, power and, and reputation. It's not the way of the kingdom. And what Jesus does is he pushes back against it, and he says, not so with you. This is not how it's supposed to be among us. But rather, this word that we see in verse 26, Jesus says, let the greatest among you become as the youngest and the leader as the one who serves. So, to, you know, the, this is the positive example that Jesus is, is painting, the, the positive picture here of what servant leadership actually is proactively. And it is essentially, you know, when we think of the youngest, you know, think of like the little brother or the little sister, right? And uh, especially in this culture in the first century, the little brother and the little sister, they're, they're really last in line when it comes to inheritance, when it comes to honor, when it comes to prestige, all of these things. And, and Jesus is saying, you know, if you want to be great, be like the little brother and the little sister who's actually last in line. You know, kind of become like one who is surrendering the rights and the privileges. And then secondly, he says, not only be like the youngest, but be like the servant. You know, be like the one who is waiting on others, the one who is behind the scenes, looking to support and build up, rather than always seeking to be the one in the spotlight, uh, you know, procuring kind of reputation and, and glory and wealth and whatever other thing uh, might kind of be to the building up uh, of this kind of sense of self and kingdom. That's the positive picture that Jesus gives. It's, it's about one who is releasing and choosing into uh, a, a form of weakness intentionally. This is, I think, very much what we see the Apostle Paul talking about in, in uh, Philippians chapter 2, where he talks about Jesus being one who gave up his rights and took on flesh and became one of us. Uh, Jordan mentioned that even in his, his opening prayer earlier. Philippians 2, it's a rich passage. We, we say it together here often as a part of a, an adapted confession of faith. And I think that is the, the positive picture that Jesus is painting here. To kind of bring us uh, kind of almost to uh, kind of the landing and uh, the closing reflection here, Jesus kind of goes one more place with this. He's kind of painted the negative picture. Okay, it's not like these earthly kings. It is like, like being one who surrenders, like a little child who's kind of last in line. It is like one who is uh, serving humbly. And then in verse 27, he gives one more picture, and it, it's, it's perfect because he's talking about their posture at the table. And in this moment, they are literally all, they're all sitting around the table. 
And, he, and Jesus asks the question, and he says, okay, guys, who, pop quiz, who is the greatest? The person who is sitting back, reclining at the table, or the guy, yeah. I mean, it wasn't like that in the first century. But, it, you know, it, you know there's, uh, there's, you know, you see the pictures of the Last Supper. I think I've got one um, where, they're, you know, they're all, yeah, they're all kind of leaning on one another. But Jesus is asking the question, who, who is the greatest, the one who's reclining at table or the one who serves? And, of course, the worldly response, you know, the, the wisdom of, of this age is to say, of course, the greatest is the one who's reclining. The guy who's sitting back and being served, that's the one who is great. But Jesus then drops the gospel hammer and says, but I, that's not, that's not the way it is because, brothers, uh, sisters, I am the one who comes. I come as the one who serves. And Jesus is the ultimate servant king. And in his, his original coming, his first incarnation, he emphasizes big time. He goes hard on that servant piece. He is humble. He is, he is low. He takes on flesh. He's born in a manger. There's these hints of his kingship, right? You know, the, the, the wise men come and bow down before him, right? That's a hint of his kingship. Even Palm Sunday, you know, everyone's bowing down before him with the palm branches. It's, it's like they're hinting. They're like, okay, this is the guy. This is exciting. He is the king. And what does he do? He doesn't come on a raid and a conquest and raise an army. But he comes. And in humility, so that he can claim us and claim a church, claim a people, he submits himself to death, even death on a cross. And so Jesus is pointing to all of these things and he's pointing to himself as, and he's trying to, to, to correct the ship. <laughs> that these guys, as they've gone off the rails about this, who is the betrayer question. And Jesus is saying, guys, remember what I just said. This Passover meal. I, my blood is being spilt. My body is being broken so that we can be a family, so that you can be forgiven. This is the new covenant that is in my blood. So uh, maybe just uh, kind of a closing thought and a reflection for us is, you know, is, uh, is your goal, is, is my goal in, in my life, in these different spheres that I live in, is it, to be, uh, is it to be a recliner or is it to be a servant? Natural impulse, definitely to be reclined back. That's, that's the goal. That's what I want, the easy street, right? And yet that's not, that's not the gospel calling. I think there is, um, there's wisdom in knowing what time it is, uh, like not only literally because I need to end the sermon, but um, also, you know, I think of the wisdom of Ecclesiastes, which says there's, there's a time for everything, there's a season for everything under the sun, a time to live and a time to die and so on. Uh, and I think there's, there's wisdom in knowing what season it is. It, it, there are seasons where it is time to be served. <laughs> to let yourself be served by the body, to let yourself be served by other people around you. There's also, there's also a time and kind of the, the, the knee-jerk posture of the Christian in and through the gospel of Jesus Christ because of what Jesus has done as our servant king is to be looking to say, okay, where, where is the Lord calling me to serve my brother, to serve 
my sister, my husband, my wife? What does that look like? Uh, I've done premarital counseling uh, for a few folks in the church, and when I do that, I always go to a particular theme verse. For me, that theme verse is Mark 10.45. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. If, if a God, God himself, the king of the universe, the king of the universe came not to be served, but to serve, who am I <laughs> to say, nope, I, I, you guys need to serve me. Like, you need to be a part of my platform. <laughs> no, my wife, you know, I, my wife needs to be a part. No, like, that's not what it is. When the gospel hits, you, you can't be demanding that others uh, serve your purposes. So think about that this week. As we, as we head to Good Friday, uh, hopefully we'll see a lot of you, you guys at the Good Friday service. Um, and think about how you have been served in the gospel and, and as, you, as you reflect on that reality, may that fuel your hearts and give you what you need in those places where God is calling you to be a servant. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, God, thank you uh, for your, your kindness, your steadfast love. God, thank you for the way you, Father, sent your son to serve us, to make us your own. God, remind us of your, your love this week as we head towards a, a Good Friday moment uh, and a, a Easter celebration. In Jesus' name, amen.